Today's episode of The Dave Chang Show is brought to you by State Farm. Look, as you guys know, I tend to give it to you straight. And while I know a lot of things, I also know there are times when I need to lean on others for help. When it comes to insurance, State Farm is the one I count on. I love that they make insurance easy. You can monitor your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim with their app, which was just awarded Best Insurance Mobile App of 2019. And thanks to their network of 19,000 agents, you'll have someone local to walk you through options and help you choose a policy that truly meets your needs versus cookie-cutter coverage. But what I appreciate most is that they don't mess around. They don't bother with gimmicks or games, just helpful guidance you can rely on. Go out and get the insurance you deserve. Get State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Get a quote or find an agent at statefarm.com. Dave Chang Show, part of the Rumor Podcast Network, presented by Major Domo Media. Thanks to Yola Tango, as always, for letting us use their music in the introduction. I don't even know what day it is anymore. Man, time has just slowed down during the COVID-19, coronavirus, lockdown, quarantine, epidemic. I know that I promised to do two podcasts a week, but we've been having some serious technical difficulties. Very hard to, to send files with the Wi-Fi connection I have and some equipment that is not working. No excuse, but uh, we've been recording and banking them, and we will get them to you as soon as possible. We just have to sort some things out, but we will get to two podcasts a week. The guest today is someone that's been on the past couple podcasts, Chris Yang, who's calling in from San Francisco. Uh, you may have seen Chris in the most recent season of Ugly Delicious. He was one of the original editors of McSweeney's Magazine with Dave Eggers, was also, I think, one of the opening team members. I don't know if that's right, but probably right, with Anthony Mint and Danny Bowen of Mission Chinese, helped us create Lucky Peach, one of the founders of Lucky Peach. And he's written, I don't know how many cookbooks with a bunch of great chefs. And um, he's my partner in Major Domo Media. Chris is one of the brightest minds out there. And uh, we were recently working on the Hulu show with Chrissy Teigen that has been placed on hold for obvious reasons. So Chris is a father of two. His wife, Jamie, just gave birth to an amazing, beautiful baby boy about a month ago. So we wanted to see if we could do this Mr. Mom's podcast. Might be the first and last time we do it. Because of the time difference, I'm on the East Coast, he's on the West Coast right now, and because of having kids in your household, it's almost impossible to have any time. Like, I don't know where my time goes now. Um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, making that for Hugo, six other people, and uh, between diaper changes and playtime and all the other emails and constant phone calls with work, it's crazy and it's, it's exhausting. So the only time we could find time to do these podcasts right now are after 8.30 p.m. for him, which is 11.30 p.m. for me. And I'm old, man. I go to bed around 11, 11.30 now. And so whatever we recorded was late at night and I sound delirious. It's because I was delirious. But we want to just have our take on talking about being a dad, particularly right now in the insanity. You know, I, I just FaceTime with one of my good friends who has three kids and they're in lockdown. And man, I, I was like, thank God. I went to Grace and I was like, thank God we don't have two more right now. 
because he has like a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-month-old or two-month-old. And, you know, I wanted to see what Chris's life was like a little bit, but also just share some of the insights I have about being a new dad myself and um, mostly talking about the food that you can make. So here's my conversation with Chris Ying. Mr. Moms, probably the first and last time we've ever done something like this. And if we do do it again, do this podcast again, it'll be way more structured, I promise. There's a bunch of recipes that I will post on social media. If you are interested about making baby food, don't want to bore anyone else. And I never thought in my wildest dreams I'd ever make a podcast about babies. (laughs) Uh, Because the younger version of me would probably, for sure, turn it off and be like, this is not for me. But, um... You know, hopefully it's useful for people out there. I know we said that we were going to do two podcasts this week. It might be just one this week. I'm recording this one with Chris Ying. Chris, who's basically going to be my uh, co-host companion during COVID-19. We recorded one on uh, Saturday night with Isaac Lee, and we did an Unwatchables, the first Unwatchables, a play on the Rewatchables Ringer podcast, where we made Isaac watch Demolition Man, what we believe (laughs) is a good, bad movie or bad, good movie. And um, it went off the rails for sure, because... um, I think we've all been quarantined and losing our minds and it uh, it needs to be edited, heavily edited for anyone to understand what the hell we talked about, Chris. Don't, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> uh, yeah, it went way off the rails, way, way, way off the rails, but so does the best stuff. I was not drunk, I swear to God, and I was not high, so I don't even understand what happened. So we'll see. It went into very abstract things. <laughs> Uh, very Twin Peaks categories. <laughs> Might as well have been uh, rewatching uh, Twin Peaks, but um, <laughs> wanted to just say that uh, it, it'll come out this week or next week, but this is something we want to continue to do. I have a list of about a dozen or so movies, but you know the whole idea that the rewatchables only does great movies that people know about, but people don't know about Rima Williams. Maybe some people do, or Best of the Best, my one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China is always on cable, but these are movies that not everyone loves. And I think there's a potential nostalgic hidden gold there. And um, if you have any suggestions of great movies that are bad, send them to askdavidmajordomomedia.com and uh, we will try to watch these movies all over again and... See if you guys agree with our Unwatchables podcast. I do not think that anyone will agree with anything we said about Demolition Man. (laughs) Yeah, Isaac Lee did not agree with a single word we said, but whatever. He's a millennial. And uh, we we did it because there's a a scene or a couple scenes uh, based around food and Taco Bell and how was it foretelling the future because – in the year 2036 or wherever it was, the only restaurant that exists in the world is Taco Bell. And uh, it's quite possible that we may be headed down that road. So we thought it would be a fun way to talk about the situation we are all in. But uh, I don't want to go too down the depression spiral of COVID-19 quite 
yet. Uh, we're going to have this podcast be about feeding our kids. Chris is a father two times over. Recently, your baby, newborn baby is what, two months old? A month? No, he's going to be, he'll be a month tomorrow. Wow. On April 1st. He shares a birthday with with your little guy, I think, right? March 1st? Was he born March 1st? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. He's wow. one year behind Hugo. He's one year behind Hugo. But he's already maybe just as smart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I've, I've got, no, my, no, no, like, no. I got my concerns. I've got my concerns here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I wanted to go into a little bit about what we're cooking at home and, you know, we're sort of teasing the unwatchables. And one of the things that we talked about a couple of podcasts ago was doing what we call jokingly Mr. Moms as another spinoff podcast that we, we are definitely going to do. So we're just seeing how it works today. But before we get into that, I wanted to do one thing. You know, I got a call from Jose Andres and uh, we've been talking to a lot of chefs uh, in this business, a lot of emails, a lot of calls. And if I haven't returned calls or emails, I will. I promise. It's just been a lot. But he basically said, hey, you, you need to be a little bit more positive, a little bit more uplifting, a little bit more optimistic. And I was like, dude, that's <laughs> on a good day. I, it's hard for me to do. <laughs> um, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try my best. But uh, we're going to talk about positive things. I promise. But I wanted to, before we get into that, I wanted to talk about what Hugh Atchison wrote for Atlanta Magazine. And Hugh is the award-winning chef of several restaurants in the Athens and Atlanta area. So read it. It's in, uh, you can go online or buy the magazine. And uh, I think he very accurately describes what so many chefs are going through right now in this uh, crisis epidemic. And uh, I won't read the entire thing. I just wanted to read one paragraph, but you should read the whole thing. He goes in basically saying, talking a little about the economics and the, the shitty situation he personally is in, his own finances. And then he goes into, but that's not my worry. My real worry is for all the people that I promised in life to provide for and can't. That's very hard because I want to be remembered as a good employer and a good human and a good dad. Awards and accolades don't mean shit now. The worst people who are going to get hit by this are undocumented. It's not like we have a huge number of them on the payroll, but across the country, there are. They can't get unemployment. They pay taxes through payrolls, and they don't get taxes back. They are screwed. And I think he's done a, an amazing job of being vulnerable and honest, and by doing so, I think shows incredible strength about the terrible situation that so many people are in. And I'm thankful for the restaurant industry being so vocal about it and continuing to be so. And we need to continue to call our senators and congressmen to let them know that certain things are still not just. And I don't think it ever will be, but we need to get there. I mean, Ying, when you think about all that's happening and someone like Hugh writing this, this is sort of unprecedented. Wouldn't you agree? It's like, yeah, I've never seen the culinary profession be this vocal. So I, I read Hugh's article too, and that paragraph stuck out to me as well. And I think the phrase or the line that I couldn't get out of my head was when he says, my real worry is for all the people that I promised in life to provide for and can't. 
And I read that and I was like, I'm not, I'm not a small business owner. I mean, we, we've got a, a media company and some employees, but I don't know what it's like to have hundreds of people who work for you. But my question was, is that how you feel too, that your employees, you, you've promised them something that you've promised to provide for them? Because I don't know that that's what big companies feel about their employees. Is that how small business owners feel about their employees? I don't think it's about the business itself. Honestly, Chris, it's about being a human. And hmm. one of the things that happened, you know, as I said, like I, I, there's a lot of relatives, there's six adults and one Hugo uh, in my life right now that I'm living in. And uh, I had to pick up medicine for my father-in-law and I went to the local pharmacy where I'm at right now. And um, I think there's a whole nother conversation besides me sort of getting weird looks that I'm an Asian person in line. And I don't think that's just my paranoia, but I have video. I, I took video. I'm not going to post it, but it's a, you know, from the distance waiting in line, being six feet away from everybody uh, early in the morning and uh, a guy using crutches, like he's obviously been injured or debilitating somehow by some illness. He's walking all the way towards us. And I ask him how have you walked here? And he's like, I walked from home. And I was like, where's that? He's like a mile away. I was like, Oh my God. Mm. He's like, I live by myself. And I was just like, Oh fuck. Yeah. You know, I saw another individual that was an elderly fellow that needed insulin. And, uh, he was complaining to the pharmacist to, you know, is doing an amazing job. And again, shout out to not just to healthcare workers and nurses and doctors that are basically the soldiers of this war from the grocery clerk to the delivery driver to the pharmacist. And I was just sort of blown away at their dedication to trying to get the job done. But, you know, rules are rules. And he couldn't give this gentleman insulin for 24 bucks. Because the shop right that he normally gets at was out of generic, the deal for insulin. And the only insulin that they had available was something that wasn't covered under his insurance plan. And it was 200 bucks. Hmm. I'll just say that people helped out and I'm glad that people helped out, but it was the humanity that gave me hope that we all helped out these individuals that were in need. And it was that, that one bright spot that made me realize that even in this horrible time we're in, that there can be community and people that are in need. I have to believe in, in the greater good. And, and it was great to see that a lot of people banded together to help out both of these individuals. One for them to get home on the return journey and another one where people pitched him money so they could, he could buy his $200 insulin and not have to worry about getting on a bus to go to three different pharmacies so he could get his $24 insulin. And yeah. I think it's that humanity that is so powerful. And, and it's a reminder that we're only going to get through this if we want to try to do the best for someone else. And this is, again, a repeated theme of last week's episode with Corey Lee. It's a, you know, Culinary integrity is to do something great or to make an action that benefits everyone else but oneself. And I think if we do that, not only will we flatten the curve, but 
we're going to save a lot of lives along the way. I mean, it's nice, man. We are just besieged on a, on an hourly by minute basis with the horrors of this thing. And I don't want to bask in like a, a nice story like that, but it is a breath of fresh air. But, um, that maybe brings us to, uh, our topic of the day, Chang, like, how is it going sort of caring for six adults in a, in a Hugo right now? What else has been happening in your household? It's soon to be turned into seven adults. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who are you gaining? You're gaining another passenger? Yeah, because someone's coming out of self-quarantine. And now I have another adult coming into our lives that I have to feed for. And the thing that boggles my mind is how much food we go through, you know, <laughs> cooking three meals a day. And the different, the difference thing is that like under quarantine, this is what I've learned. If everyone was like normal, no one's going to eat that much. But the fact that there's nothing to do and people are sort of bummed out, people are eating way more. Not less. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Are people in your house just like eating their feelings right now? Like, we are going through a mind-boggling amount of food right now. <laughs> I don't understand what's going on. Like, I really don't know what's going on. I, 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 I just, it's crazy how much, like I see, because like I'm making the food. I feel like the lunch lady. I see how much rice people are taking. <laughs> I see how big the scoops of everything are. You know what I mean? It's like... It's crazy how much food is being consumed, and it makes me really worried. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I'm the motherfucker that's cooking it. Sometimes Grace's mom cooks, right? And I'm thankful. But like, not only that, I got cooked for Hugo, and it's just a lot. I thought, honestly, I was like, I'm going to be reading. I'm going to be watching all the TV that I've wanted to watch. There's been none of that. Nothing. I have two books that I wanted to finish, the Van Gogh bio and the Jackson Pollock. Nope. The only thing that's happened is Hugo's ripped pages out of the book. But there's been nothing. All I've done is I wake up. I wake up. This is my day. I wake up. I make Hugo breakfast. And then uh, I have emails and calls. Also, I make everyone breakfast. And then I have the calls. And then I make everyone lunch. And then I take some more calls and emails. And then around four o'clock, I make Hugo's dinner. And then around 4.45, I make everyone else's dinner. And then, (laughs) you know, and then I got to help spend time with Hugo. And then I give him a bath at 6.30 and then my day's done. And I don't know what's going on. (laughs) You are working a triple shift, man. I'm a personal chef. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, I have, I think they're about like three pound packages of turkey breast, deli meat. So like 10 pounds. And I'm like, you know what? This is going to last a week. Easy. One pack. Easy. And American cheese. I bought like 48 slices, that giant pack. I was like, this will last. This will last the week. You know what happened? All 10 pounds of turkey gone. All 10 pounds. I mean, what the fuck is going on, man? (laughs) That is a phenomenal amount of turkey meat, I got to say. 10 pounds. I I don't know that 10 pounds is so much deli meat. I don't know. If people don't grocery shop regularly, I don't think you really realize, like, volumetrically how much 10 pounds of turkey meat is. That is a lot of meat to go that quickly. Yeah, it's crazy. 
I think it's because like there's some people that are like have specific like diets and shit. Like I'm just learning about how people eat. Oh man. You have people in your house who are maintaining their paleo lifestyle under quarantine is what you're telling me right now. Dude. Yeah. It's pretty fucking crazy. And um, I don't understand how this works and how much food is being consumed. And I don't want to turn into like the soup Nazi, but I think I'm going to have to. (laughs) So before we get into like the baby food, how are you getting food? Like, where are you buying online grocery store? And I, I, have you developed any tricks? So I'll tell you my tricks for going to the supermarket. I'm the first person at 7am rubber gloves, sanitizer in my hand, or there's a market near me, supermarket that closes at midnight, and I try to go at 11.30 when everyone's too tired. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Or there's not an Asian market near me, but there's a Latino supermarket, not a supermarket, again, like a buffet thing that also has amazing food and uh, like a grocery store in the back. And I'm not going to tell anybody where I'm at or the, the location of this market, but it's always full of... Uh, People buying stuff, but um, are you going to the supermarket at all? Yeah, I mean, we're go- I'm going like once a week, and, and honestly, what I'm doing is I have because the grocery stores in San Francisco or, or here where I am are kind of like they are sort of keeping a maximum capacity on the stores, and there have been lines down the block of people waiting. They're sort of six feet apart, but like wrapped around the block to get in. I am still utilizing like one of those online services where somebody will pack all your groceries and then you'll pick it up, which I understand is not, (laughs) you know, it's not any safer than anything else. But I, where I put my effort in, once I've picked all my groceries and skipped the line and picked it up is on like my grocery processing. So I'm like gloves and sanitizer, immediately discard whatever packaging the whole thing came in clean everything, wash everything, wipe any like packaging down with my wipes and then enter the house. It's become, I have like a processing plant at the front door before I bring anything in. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, just the articles I read, I think Kenji out Lopez, actually we should get Kenji on the podcast cause he's actually smart. We're not. And, uh, <laughs> he knows this way better than us. He's basically like, just wash your fucking hands. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys are going overboard. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been seeing that too. But I mean the, the other the other nice thing is like I subscribed to the David Chang freeze everything philosophy a couple months before this all happened. So my whole house is like pretty stocked with frozen stuff already as part of my again like joining the Chang cult of the freezer. So like we're good on mm. meats and herbs and plenty of stuff in the freezer. But I don't know where you are, but like fresh vegetables and fruits have been like the big X factor. That's the hardest thing to get. Let me tell you what, how fast it goes with uh, six grown adults. How fast you go through frozen vegetables. It's insane. I bought so much frozen broccoli that I thought we'd last six months. Guess what? We have two (laughs) bags left. I don't even know what to do. It's really making me mad. Yeah. Like, that's what I've learned. People eat a lot of broccoli and a lot of turkey breast. And you know what's weird? 
I'm not making turkey sandwiches. I don't know where the fuck this turkey's going. And I, I for certain know how much broccoli is being cooked, but like, I feel like people are like stealing food within the house. People are turkey snacking for sure. The reality is this. There's a couple places that I don't go to because they're not practicing social distancing in the grocery store. And that drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. So the grocery store is something that I'm still trying to navigate. And I try to find my moments to just r- run and just buy stuff and then get out of there as fast as possible. But um, I've been really like trying to figure out how to navigate all the online delivery places. And I haven't mm-hmm. quite found an Asian market. If there is such a thing, let me know. Because if not, I think I'm going to start one because um, yeah, it's ridiculous. There's so many things that I need that I don't have, like chopsticks. I can't cook anymore without chopsticks. I'm going insane. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a real problem. I saw that the other day. I saw you scooping noodles on Instagram with a fork. And I thought, this guy has yeah. gone out of his goddamn mind. What is he doing? Yeah, because there are no chopsticks. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> it's driving me crazy. It's really driving me crazy. Not having access to those in- ingredients. And, and I think we're in sort of similar situations. Like, I'm not in San Francisco proper right now. We're sort of up north of San Francisco. I know you're outside the city. Like, man, not having access to the sort of flavors and ingredients that I'm used to is rough to cook with. My daughter today was like asking for, well, she she was asking for tofu. And I was like, I don't have that. That is not available right here. Can I tell you the thing? I don't know what you want me to do. Can I tell you the thing I miss the most? I miss the most. What's that? Is tofu. I miss (laughs) tofu so much. You never thought you would, but you absolutely miss it. I need it so badly. Particularly since I have to cook for someone that is low cholesterol diet now and is on like stem medication. So I'm just like, oh, like tofu would like solve all my problems. So this is how desperate I've gotten with the tofu. I've been like contemplating. It's on my added wish, like a save it for later Amazon purchase, a uh, 50 pound bag of uh, non-GMO soybeans. No, you're not going if, to, if you're going to make your own tofu. Uh, yeah, oh I think, God. you know, everyone, all, all these people are making bread. By the way, guess what I bought too? I bought a 50 pound bag of bread flour. <laughs> oh my God. I did. I never thought I would see the day when Dave Chang was making his own bread and tofu a la Portlandia. I don't understand who you are anymore, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's happening. And I'm going to just have to start making my own goddamn tofu, something that I promised would only happen in restaurants. And now I'm going to have to make it. (laughs) I have to make it at home. And the problem is this. I don't have a blender. So that's why I'm waiting. I'm trying to calculate how many things I need to buy to make this happen. I need to buy a scale. I need to buy all these goddamn things. And I'm just like, oh. I don't know, man. I think back in the day they just used a couple of river rocks and, and ground them together, dude. Come on. Like yeah. what do you need? What do you need a blender for? <laughs> so I'm I'm trying to figure that out. Tofu. It's the thing that I miss the most right now. But I've been scouring all online places to procure the Asian stuff. So I got one shipment in that was like what a couple weeks ago. I got the Hondashi, the Dashida, some uh, Furokake, some other things that were all sort of making soups and stuff. 
oh, I need more dry pasta. And that's another reason I bought the flour because pasta is like impossible to find. Is it hard for you to find? Yeah, it's gone. It's gone everywhere. I have a few boxes. Here's my, like my, my gold right now is we have a couple of boxes left of dried Chinese noodles that are called like oil noodles. And like, they're like gold to me right now. If people don't like finish their bowl of noodles, I just like death stare them, gather their noodles up (laughs) and like pack them away for myself (laughs) for later. So part of the reason I bought flour is just so I can make noodles from hand. That's crazy. Like pasta in general. Because this is this is like where it actually is like paying in spades to have been like a professional chef. Like I was like, oh, I can actually just make this myself. So I'm going to just have to make my own pasta. I don't have an extruder, but here's another thing I don't have. I don't have rolling pins. So I've been trying to go to Home <laughs> Depot or try to figure out if they can send me the dowels. So I could just, I just need, I need some stuff. So I'm like, I'm slowly in the process of like hoarding, not hoarding food, but hoarding things to make food with. And before I do a big purchase on something, I'm just trying to figure out, can I get it at all time? So I can actually like make pasta or like rolled noodles from scratch. It's going to happen. I'm just trying to like get it all aligned. Did I, did I just make any sense there? Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. You're trying to line up all of your mise en place and equipment to like a real chef so that it arrives in time for you to make these dishes. Are you getting requests from your, the adults in your home for, are they craving stuff or is this just you wanting this on your own? You know, I'll tell you something that happened today. So I was making the ratatouille or whatever I was making today. And then like, I had it all prepped out, but I didn't read, not, not prepped out. Cause I'm, I'm just like throwing shit together. Like in like five minutes pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And then I just made Hugo's food. So Hugo today had turkey rice and then Grace's mom came down and I had saw that she had prepped out potatoes. I was like, who prepped out all these potatoes and carrots and used all this garlic? I was so like, <gasps> I was so like, Oh my God, <laughs> who used all the garlic and ginger? I was, I was not happy because no one had told uh-huh. me. No one told me that they were going to create mise en place for a dish. And I'm like, we have a thief in the house. It was like, clue, who done it? (laughs) And I wasn't going to say anything. I was just going to let it happen. And I'm cooking and I'm cooking, cooking. Then I hear some footsteps and Grace's mom, who's an amazing cook, said, oh, I was going to make curry. I said, oh, were you? (laughs) I was like, you know what? How about tomorrow? How about tomorrow? Because I already have dinner planned. <laughs> oh my god! I I know that she's obviously like an, an amazing cook and like is so willing to feed Grace and Hugo and you and and everybody. I, I'm sort of a similar situation. I'm sort of like splitting cooking duties with my mother in law. How is that going generally? I know that you're used to not having another person to sort of like vie for ingredients or space in the kitchen. I mean, like, is it, is that just indicative of something, uh, a trend or is it going pretty well? You enter the kitchen in this house and you are entering North Korea. (laughs) Might as well be kickboxer, Noxu cow, two men enter, one man leave. Like, you, 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 if you're going to come at me, you, you bet, you, you best, you best bring it. Oh my god! Because this is the only thing keeping me sane. Besides playing with Hugo, it's like I don't even know if I like cooking right now. But it's what I'm doing. Don't mess. Answer with- me this then. I need a schedule. Tell me, tell me this. 
Tell me this honestly, Chang. Are you, have you hidden any ingredients? Of course I have. <laughs> of course I, of course I've hidden ingredients. People didn't know that I had dry tofu noodles until yesterday, actually. Because you know why? The person that can't eat gluten or rice was like, hey, like, I'm going to give you a treat. I gave him a treat. I cooked the tofu noodles and I served that with the ratatouille instead of a rice like everyone else was eating. And I didn't get any looks of like, what the fuck? They just were like, I'm just so thankful to be eating something. <laughs> that, <laughs> but I did. I've eight packages of dry. I've eight packages uh, of dry tofu noodles that I got from Amazon that, that <laughs> literally came in yesterday or two days ago. And I was like, oh, they're not going to know that I have it. You know where I put it? I put it in like, so we're staying in like a, I don't even want to describe it, but it's like a bread box. Like who the fuck ever has a bread box? And I hid it in the bread box because <laughs> I knew <laughs> no Korean person would ever look into a bread box. Yeah, because no Korean person's ever seen a know. bread box. They're like, what is that thing? How do you open that thing? <laughs> yeah. I hid oh it in the God. bread box. That's... Oh, and you know what I also got? People think that I only have one jar of uh, old lady sauce, old lady Chinese sauce, the hot sauce. Yeah, the chili crisp. Because like I'm waiting for a Momofuku chili crisp to come in. That's a whole nother thing. I'm waiting for like, I'm really waiting for the real reinforcements, like the the, the like the Spartans. Uh, I'm I'm waiting for the, 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 the that call up, and I'm waiting. I've been tracking that UPS shipment. Oh man, I'm. Whew. Did you ever see that uh, Hope and Glory movie when Christian Bale was a kid? No, I never saw it. Steven Spielberg directed it. Hmm. This might be an un- unwatchables, but actually it's a pretty good movie. Anyway, like he's like, uh, they just, it's Japanese uh, occupied territory and he's been in an internment camp and John Malkovich is in it as well. And basically like all this food at the end of the movie comes from the airplanes and it's like spam and milk and Hershey chocolate bars. That's what I'm going to feel like when I get my Momofuku care package, I am going to... <laughs> cry i'm not even kidding you i have never just like not having it everything is like made me appreciate so many things and like when this box of goodness comes with soy sauce and and vinegars and all the stuff that we've been working on oh my god i'm literally right now thinking about all the things i'm going to be able to do it's going to be maybe the best day of the month i've had (laughs) by far I feel you, man. I feel you. It feels, you know, it's a bit of a high class problem, but like, I'm, I'm just like, God, I wish I had so many things that we're used to, you know, like these aren't luxury goods. You're talking about like dried noodles and tofu. It's, you know, people get comfort from all sorts of different places. And I think for you and I, it's like these very simple things that we've been, we don't have access to right now. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Today's episode of The Dave Chang Show is brought to you by State Farm. Look, as you guys know, I tend to give it to you straight. And while I know a lot of things, I also know there are times when I need to lean on others for help. When it comes to insurance, State Farm is the one I count on. I love that they make insurance easy. You can monitor your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim with their app, which was just awarded Best Insurance Mobile App of 2019. And thanks to their network of 19,000 agents, you'll have someone local to walk you through options and help you choose a policy that truly meets your needs versus cookie cutter coverage. 
But what I appreciate most is that they don't mess around. They don't bother with gimmicks or games, just helpful guidance you can rely on. Go out and get the insurance you deserve. Get State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Get a quote or find an agent at statefarm.com. Today's show is also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. According to ZipRecruiter research, nearly three quarters of employers say they're finding it difficult to fill open positions. So they're taking bold steps. 68% of employers have raised their wages and 23% have increased their benefits. If you have a difficult role to fill, no matter your industry, hire with ZipRecruiter. And now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Chang. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 top job sites, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. You can even add screening questions to your job listing so you can filter candidates and focus on the best ones. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. To try ZipRecruiter for free, my listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Chang. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Chang, C-H-A-N-G, ZipRecruiter.com slash Chang. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Can I tell you something else? Yeah. You know what I've learned too in this th- almost three weeks? How long has this happened? Two weeks? Three weeks? I have no idea. What I've learned is this. I now know why ramen is so like the most powerful currency Dude. in jail. Dude, I know. It's crazy. I have not craved ramen in 15 years, but like, I cannot stop thinking about it now. Like, it's impossible to get, number one, right now. It really is hard, whether it's Jet.com, Amazon. I mean, like nothing, they're all out of everything. Or it takes like, oh, it's in stock. It'll be delivered May 29th. I'm like, fuck. Like, that's not, (laughs) I need this now, man. So on the package that I got, like the stuff that I was able to scrounge together, I have four Nissan Roa ramens. And I think that's the best packaged ramen out there, really. And the mm-hmm. best thing about it is it's half the calories because the noodles aren't deep fried. I haven't even cracked into those yet. We have Joppagetti and we have eight containers of Shin Ramen Black. Mm. I don't know who's eaten two of them. I haven't had one. I haven't said anyone could have one of these shin ramen cups, but two are gone. <laughs> two are gone. Oh my god! You know? um, <laughs> that that me- shit's gold, man. You can't just fucking be like, "I'm hungry, I'm going to eat one." You got to let everyone know, man. Dude, that is fucked up. I know you can get you can get stabbed for less than that in prison, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and ginger. Oh man, like ginger root is not easy to get by right now. It is really hard to find. I'm like, yeah. I need a Morgan Freeman from Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> Just get me shit. Um, I will admit to you that after, like I'm sure so many people and if it turns out you're just getting a kickback from this, I'll be so mad at you. But like, I saw you post that Nissan Rayo Tonkotsu ramen on Instagram that came in its sort of like illicit prison style shipment to you. And I was like, what does Chang have? I got to get some of that. And I waited, like you posted that probably like a week and a half ago or something. And I got my box today and I was like, Oh my God, I'm so happy to see this. And my mother-in-law was like, what is that? And I was like, nothing. And I squirreled it away. But let me ask you this. 
do you just eat them as is? What do you do? Hey, hold, hold, hold on, hold on. Let, 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 me, let me paint the scene. When you got the box of your ramen today, your instant ramen, and your mother-in-law said, yeah. what is that? I imagine she looked a lot like Frodo Baggins and you were Gollum. <laughs> it was exactly like that. It was, it was exactly like it. <laughs> I was like, nothing, nothing. I, I jammed it back into my pocket quickly. And I was like, no, it's just some latmus bread. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we need? I need some fucking lembas bread, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give yeah, me some lembas bread. Need, dude. <laughs> and, you know, I, I feel like I'm living that right now. It's like, why are you saving that? Oh, for the journey back from quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think people know what a token fan I am? People have no idea. It's been, you've no been doing this podcast that. for more than two years and it has not come out yet that you are a deep, deep, deep Tolkien fan. I know we're supposed to be talking about cooking for kids, but like, give me, you, what was the book you read that was never published that you were trying to like tell me the entire plot of from start to finish? Children of Whore. Yeah. What does that even mean? <laughs> I'm not going to get into this right now, Chris. It's a very important thing that you're talking about. <laughs> All right, we'll save we'll save Tolkien for another time. That moment that I did explain the plot line to you was the most lucid, articulate description of anything I've ever given in my life. <laughs> you were like, you you, it was that. seriously, yeah. You were you were like possessed, and then just suddenly, like the voice of Tolkien came from your mouth, and you just recounted the entire thing, <laughs> start to finish. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but you told me the entire thing. It was unbelievable. But answer me the ramen question. Like, what do you do with that? What am I going to do with the ramen? Yeah. Do you just eat it as is or do you use it in another way? Oh, no, no, no. I cook the ramen straight. That's it. No, nothing. I will put an egg. So, you know, my whole thing with cooking instant ramen is this. Is always use a little bit less water than the instruction asks because you Mm -hmm. want it to have some flavor because people always add too much water, particularly when you're using the packaged one, not the styrofoam. And, Mm -hmm. you know, right when the noodles start to like get soft, almost that moment where it goes from the brick into like soft noodles, like it gets to be hydrated again, I immediately crack an egg right into that nest of noodles. Mm. And I don't do anything. I just let it go. And it turns out to be a perfectly poached egg. I was convinced that you had some sort of other ulterior plan for it. No, no, no. The, another easy thing that you can do if you want a perfectly poached egg in it is you can take a ladle, spray it with some Pam, right? The ladle inside. And then crack an egg into it and then oh. poach it into that nest of noodles so it doesn't huh. cloudy up your broth. Yeah. Well, that's like, that is a plus hacking right there because, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, I think like there is a little bit of a delicate balance when you crack it straight in there. You might just be sort of fortifying the soup and the egg breaks and just cloudies up the broth. But I guess, yeah, that's awesome. If you do it into a ladle with Pam, then yeah, you just poach your egg and you've got like a whole egg and your soup is still uh, pure. That's awesome. You know, people think making instant ramen is easy. No, 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 no. This is like watching tennis. <laughs> On TV. Looks <laughs> looks easy. No. It's like tennis on TV. <laughs> to be great at it, it, it's a whole nother level. Right. And like tennis, it's a solitary pursuit that one must achieve on their own. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about, about kids cooking, though. 
So this is what's been hard. So now Hugo is like a year and a month. He's not liking everything right now. So it's like, it's, how should I say? I love the challenge. (laughs) It's a, it's a real challenge. And I'm trying to crack the code every day. It's almost like um, he's Bill Belichick and I'm like trying to be Peyton Manning. (laughs) And like, I got to like, (laughs) I got to figure out how to like score a touchdown on him without him knowing. So that's literally how it feels like. So, so in the mornings, he likes eggs. He eats an egg every day for breakfast, but you got to poach it Mm -hmm. exact. If it's too soft, he won't eat it. If it's too hard, he won't eat it, the boil. So it's got to be literally right in between that moment of soft and medium boil. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like basically my entire shopping list revolves around making sure that there's enough food for Hugo. He eats avocados and he eats eggs and he eats sweet potatoes and he eats berries and yogurt. And another thing is you can't get the yogurt that he eats every day. So I'm just like, I don't know what to do. So I got to figure that out. Mm -hmm. That's breakfast. He eats some kind of vegetable puree, but he's now not eating vegetables anymore. Unless I put butter and salt with it. (laughs) The kid likes butter and salt. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know if he's eating so healthy for, for, for lunch, but um, (laughs) here's the other thing I've learned. So like, I got to change it up. He won't eat the same thing twice. I swear to God, he won't eat the same thing twice. Rarely. He'll eat the same thing twice. Right? Yeah. So this is what I've learned. Right? So like a few weeks ago, I was making crepes and I figured out like, oh, this is good because like it won't hurt his mouth by eating like crunchy bread. So he's still eating a bread. So my crepe ratio is like, I don't know, flour, a couple eggs and milk and salt. And sugar, sometimes I'll add baking soda or baking powder, but I don't have that either. So it's just like, you know, it's flour, butter, eggs, milk, and I pan fry. And I mean, I make a crepe and, and then uh, I won't even go into my whole crepe story of what I've done with crepes. I mean, you saw a little bit when we were filming the show, right? Um, yeah. But what I've done now is from the Mexican grocery store, I've got all this cotilla cheese. Mm-hmm. So for lunch... I have to do this every other day. I make a crepe. And if I cook the crepe hard enough, it turns into basically a tortilla. So it gets really brown, gets crispy, and it's not really soft like a crepe anymore. And then if I put cotilla cheese in there, it's basically a quesadilla. So I have a bunch of those frozen. So I I make the crepe and I fold it over. So it's like a, a folded over quesadilla. And then I wrap them in paper towels and then I freeze them. And I have seven. And then I cut those in half. So he has half a crepe every other day for lunch. <laughs> that stuff with cotilla cheese. Um, <laughs> what, what you just said about cooking a crepe hard enough, becoming a tortilla, and then stuffing it with cotilla cheese and turning it into a quesadilla is basically some kid's master's thesis at NYU and like the food studies program. <laughs> Like, a crepe cooked long enough becomes a tortilla. And wait, if you put cotilla cheese in it, it becomes a quesadilla. Like, (laughs) it's basically a master's thesis on, like, cultural anthropology of flatbreads around the world. (laughs) All right, I'm going to post it on Instagram. I'll show you. It's like, I have it ziplocked. It's pretty methodical. Like, I have all his food organized in these glass jars. And then I have, like, 
when I run out of the glass jars, because it's problematic, because sometimes like, here's the thing, it's been really hard because sometimes like um, I'll make food for him because I try to make it like two or three times a week and like I freeze it and then I'll reheat it when I need. So if I miss, if I miss on something he likes, it really screws up my whole plan for him. So for instance, last week, you know, at the grocery store, not a surprise. You know what you can get in every grocery store right now in America? For sure. I would bet my life on it. There's two things of the gourd family, butternut squash <laughs> and squash in general, like acorn squash. There's no one in yeah. fucking America eating that shit. And like, Hugo <laughs> loves butternut squash. So I was yeah. like, hmm, let me see if he likes acorn squash. No. And I made a beautiful acorn squash puree. I thought it was delicious. And it's the first thing he outright spat out. He was like, <laughs> this is disgusting. <laughs> and now the best thing about it is Hugo won't even look at, like when you bring the spoon, he turns his face. Like it's like he has to move away his whole body from food, like particularly the squash. Like he can't even look at it. It's amazing. <laughs> so proud of him. I I think it's funny because, I mean, the problems you're describing are very specific to Hugo, and yet they are universal in so many ways, right? Like parents deal constantly with kids who have or who are picky, who have changing tastes, who like something one day and then don't like it the next. I was so stoked the other week. I made. Chinese beef noodle soup and I like seared some bok choy at the very end and threw it in there and my daughter like ate up the bok choy just on its own and was like so into it I was like oh this is amazing like she loves bok choy what a what a wonderful Chinese child and then two days later she's like I don't like this anymore and the practical takeaway from what you're talking about the thing that I think is is crucial is what you said about the challenge in it I think it's really easy I mean, I'm guilty of this. I think a lot of parents probably are of getting frustrated with your kid, getting angry at your kid, like, or being really hurt that, you know, like I slaved away and I made this for you. I thought you were really going to love it and you don't like it. I think what you're saying Not me. is the Not only, me. I think that's right. Cause I I'm think- like, I'm going to win. I'm going to find a way I'm going to win. I'm too competitive and this guy's not going to beat me, you know? And like, yeah. For example, this is literally how I was thinking about it. I swear to fucking God, this is how crazy I am in quarantine. And it's like, oh man, she goes Bill Pelichek and he thinks that I'm Sean McVay and that he can <laughs> defend me with the 5-2 defense with the extra fee safety covering my tight end and running back. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to be like Sean McVay. I'm going to change up my coverage, you know, my offensive scheme. So for example, so I made a spinach puree because like I got a little bit lazy. And uh, so, like, when I make spinach for him, I mix it in and, like, <laughs> I chiffon on it so he doesn't choke on it, right? So, I chiffon on a bunch yep. of spinach, you know, baby spinach, and then, like, I'll saute it and I'll add it so he gets his greens. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to puree it. Oh, this is one thing I will say that I learned that I love and I highly endorse. And it would be an A-plus product if it was more professional, industrial made, is the magic bullet. Whoever invented yep. that, man. Good job. Good on you. That is amazing. That yeah, thing is fucking amazing. <laughs> and uh, I, I would I would use that all the time in a professional kitchen if it wasn't so like uh, made for a, like a home kitchen, which basically breaks. I think it's got another two weeks before it breaks completely. Um, I was like, you know, I'm just going to puree it. 
I'm going to puree it and I'm going to add some butter and olive oil and uh, I don't want to chiffon on because I was lazy. And you know what? I get lazy and sure enough, blows up on my face. Not a surprise. I wasn't mad at anyone but myself, Chris, because when I tried to feed Hugo, you know what he did? He couldn't even look at me in the face. He knew that I cheated him. He's like, are you even playing the same game anymore? Are we even competing? Yeah. You know what happened next? I was like, oh, I got, I, I, get, I swear to God. I was like, uh, so he just doesn't want straight spinach. So I added a little salt. No, that didn't do it. I was like, mm, maybe he needs texture. So I can feed him almonds now. So I pureed a bunch of almonds with the spinach puree to give it that thickness. So it was a little bit like peanut butter. Gave it to him. <laughs> mm, a little bit better. Not so much. Then this is what I did. <laughs> I mounted it with a lot of butter. And I, I added a lot more salt <laughs> to the point where it would taste restaurant quality salt and butter to me. And I think I added a couple other things, but I started eating. I was like, wow, that's actually pretty good. That's actually a, a dish that I might put on a restaurant because I've never <laughs> had spinach puree thickened with almonds and, or a nut. I was like, because it has this like beautiful green consistency, but it's like thick. And I was like, oh, I'm tasting it. And then Grace comes by and she's like, what are you eating? I was like, oh, I knew I was dead meat. I knew right then I was dead meat because <laughs> Grace doesn't want you to be putting that much butter in there or salt. No, I was dead. And she tasted it and I was busted. <laughs> Too many men on the field. <laughs> you got deflate gated, dude. You got deflate gated. Yeah. <laughs> but I gave some to Hugo and Hugo was like, oh man, that's so good. Because this is what Hugo does when he likes something. He goes, mmm. <laughs> 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 Oh my god! That's so so I knew I, I knew I got it. So I, I compromised with Grace. I said, "Okay, I know you think this is too salty. I think it's right. It's delicious. You think it's also delicious. Let me." So the Instapot, right? We've already talked about the Instapot. How crappy it is, right? With the rice. So it's all the scorched rice on the bottom. So I was like, "Give me five minutes." So I added some water to the bottom of the scorched rice, like the crusty rice that we had just finished using for lunch. And I put on the setting for five minutes and I pressure cooked the bottom of that rice and all of that rice turned into like a kanji, right? Mm-hmm. So I had about an inch of kanji. And then I added the spinach, which was basically like a whole bag of spinach puree with almonds into the kanji to like make it not as salty. And then I got four basically cups of this dish now. And I won. Hugo loves it. He can't get enough of it, mm. but I can't. If I serve it to him two days in a row, he's not going to like it anymore. Mm-hmm. This is how much time I spend trying to make sure my son will love me. I'm basically <laughs> buying his affection by cooking whatever he wants. <laughs> no, but you're 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 not. Here's 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 why you're not. Let me say this: you are not cooking him whatever here. He's still Hugo's still too young for this to be a problem. But you will get to this point. Dave, I know you. I, I, I don't know if you'll believe me, but you will get to the point where somebody will introduce him to just buttered noodles, like pasta with nothing on it. He already eats that, and that is all they really want. No, he likes a variety of different things of noodles. 
we're already that there. will become the bane of your existence, man. When you are like, please eat the vegetables and this stuff, like all they want are is plain pasta. And so like, I think the fight that you're fighting because you don't give up on like getting him some spinach. It's not about just cooking him whatever he wants. Like you didn't give up on getting spinach into him. I mean, you mounted it with a ton of butter and salt, but you didn't give up on that. And I think like that's, I'm just trying, I'm thinking about like the other parents out there and how easy it is to just sort of be like, and, and the many times I've done this, like, I forget it, like, whatever, you don't like spinach, it's fine. But that competitive approach to it is super interesting to me. And I'll, I'll tell you, like, the <laughs> you talking about Belichick and Sean McVay reminded me, like, you know, when, when Ruby, when my daughter was, before she went to preschool, she had, you know, like a nanny share and the nanny would always wash out her bento box, her lunch box before it came home. And so I always just assumed like, oh, Ruby ate all her lunch. And we'd always ask and she'd be like, oh, she ate everything. The preschool sends back the lunch box untouched. And I was like, this is the greatest day of my life because now I have every day I have data on exactly what she ate and what she didn't eat and how I can adjust it. And I think like you've got to approach it that way. You've got to think like, I'm going to beat you and I'm going to make you eat this thing I want you to eat. Yeah. No, I mean like, he's just another customer that happens to be my child. (laughs) He's just another customer. He's like, if this guy doesn't, if this guy, you better give me five stars. No, but he like he certain things he loves always like sweet potatoes, avocados, you know, broccoli doesn't cut it anymore. He used mm-hmm. to like carrots, so now he doesn't eat carrots or buttered carrots or salted buttered carrots. And I've done it a variety of ways, so I've learned I have to now mix the sweet potato in with the carrots, and now that doesn't work. So that I have to figure out what to do. So I made a whole, the the thing that hurts is like, I have a bunch of it already like plossed out and ready for like the next Mm. 10 days. So when he doesn't like something, it really throws a monkey wrench into it. But I wanted to, I wanted to give you a couple recipes for what I think are foolproof. So you could take any sort of ground meat, but I I like turkey because it's a little bit leaner. So I, I try to get organic turkey and that's it. Like I'll take it and I'll put it right in a pot and then I'll add water. I'll cover it with water and I'll boil the shit out of it. I boil it hard and then I'll add cooked rice about halfway through once the turkey's like cooked through. And then I could go a variety of different ways. I can start to add chiffonade spinach. I could add sweet potato. I could, this is when I start to add vegetables in general and then I smash it up and mm-hmm. I'll add a little salt, a little olive oil and like, once you add a vegetable puree to that turkey rice mixture, it's just like, I think every baby's going to love it. I feel very strongly about this recipe. Now, is the consistency like rice porridge, like juk, or is it more like the rice still has texture and it's in like a broth? Which is why you have to add it at different stages, the rice. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I think that he wants, at least Hugo, I think he likes variety of texture. He wants some things that are so like, Right when it's done, you know, and it's basically like kanji, I add another couple tablespoons of just cooked rice and I mix it in. No, you. <laughs> I do. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, I tried it. Sometimes it doesn't work. Like I, I did that with chicken breast and I cooked down and I added yellow bell peppers frozen. And the thing with Hugo, he doesn't like 
fruity stuff. He doesn't like mangoes and he doesn't like bell peppers. And so that was a total waste. Like when you miss, like, man, that's a lot of food. <laughs> it bums me out. Yeah. And the other recipe that I think is good that is like pretty, pretty good is, you know, whether you go to Whole Foods or Costco or wherever, you can buy a sockeye salmon frozen. Mm-hmm. So this is my trick and this will lead into the next thing. And then I got to go to bed because it's 1250 and uh, I have a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> gotta, and you got to work the breakfast shift, man. I got to work the breakfast shift. Yeah. I mean, there's no days off here. This is, this is like crazy. <laughs> and then I got to do all this other stuff. But um, so this is what I do with the salmon. So if you can buy this anywhere these days, um, I think it's a pretty good deal too for the amount of salmon you get. I take it out of the package by rinsing it under hot water for about 30 seconds so I can remove it from the package. Then I put it flesh side down on a small plate and I microwave it for about four minutes. Mm -hmm. So now I can take it a variety of ways. Then when it's done, I can easily peel the skin off and I feed it to my dog. And Mm -hmm. so I have a cooked chicken, I I cook salmon and I flake it and then I can take it a variety of places. So I could add it now to that carrots, uh, sweet potato puree that he didn't like. But if I add the meat, he might like that. He definitely likes the salmon and broccoli. But another, like just the classic go-to is if I add rice and I just give him like sake don. Like he loves picked salmon on rice. It's just like mm. the easiest thing. And that's pretty much the go-to when like I have nothing else is salmon rice for your kids. I think is a like a no-brainer. Yeah. We did a lot of salmon rice in our house. Yeah. Yeah. And again, if you freeze the rice too, like in, in small packets, I did that on my social media feed. Like it's so easy to like in a pinch have a really good nutritious dinner for your kid. Yeah. Can I ask you, Chang, has fish sauce entered the equation for Hugo yet? Yeah, I sneak it in. I sneak it in. <laughs> I definitely sneak parm yep. in a lot where I can, but I don't have any parm with me right now. But parm to me is baby magic. Right. Absolutely. Like Parmigiano Reggiano. Oh my God. Yeah. Hugo doesn't even know what's coming. And that's another thing. I add that to almost all the veg. Yeah. I mean, we won't get like too nerdy about it, but like glutamic acid, umami, like that's like the first thing babies crave. And like, I think that the secret weapon is always to add a little parm, a little fish sauce, something that's going to like boost the umami. And like, it is like a magic bullet. Yeah, it's in breast milk. It's what babies are conditioned to like it from the get-go. So, yeah, do I try to? Yes. I mean, like, I try not to give them MSG yet, but I give it to them naturally through fish sauce and soy sauce. You know, my my mother-in-law gives them denjang jjigae, basically, a very light denjang jjigae, which is the Korean fermented soybean with rice. Yeah. Basically, he, oh, I gave Hugo kimchi for the first time. I made kimchi with- Wait, um Today? So it's crazy. This was three days ago. I gave him just the kimchi mul, the kimchi liquid, because I made it and it wasn't quite fermented yet. And I made it with mm-hmm. a kohlrabi. Talk about another vegetable that you will definitely find in your, your supermarket should it have it. <laughs> kohlrabi. Great. But like, listen, there's no Napa cabbage to be seen for miles. So I don't know where, where that all went. So I made gaktugi a Korean kind of pickle for uh, kimchi from kohlrabi. And I made it with um, some uh, non-traditional 
Korean chilies, which obviously came from Mexico anyway. But anyway, I made a, a really good kimchi and I gave it to Hugo and I didn't water it down or anything. And he loved it. I was shocked. Whoa. That he was like, was it spicy? Yeah. Whoa. He was like, that's impressive. He was man. like, give me more. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that is impressive, man. That is, that is very impressive. Until I gave him something very spicy yesterday that blew up in my face. Then I realized, <laughs> oh, this is why you don't do this. You to, flew too to close babies. to the sun. You like flew too fa- close to the sun, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I didn't realize it was that hot. And man, I thought that I might not have survived that night. Because <laughs> uh, I got a stern look from uh, Grace. I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've had that. I've, I've, I've confronted that too. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, you reap what you sow on the spicy food stuff, man. I mean, the denjang, like, I, I, I've been trying to feed him, like, fermented soybeans. So whether it's miso, like, these are the things that I, I know that are delicious. I'm just trying to watch the salt content. Because I feel like I'm giving him so much salt, and I want to yeah. make sure I'm not like damaging it. I'm not damaging <laughs> his liver. I know that. Like I'm just paranoia, par- my own paranoia. No, but you, yeah, you, you definitely fear that. It's the right thing to think about for sure. So, like, I'm limited to what I can make with him right now because I don't feel like I have everything. But um, you know what? I'm just gonna start sharing it. I'm gonna probably start posting baby recipes soon enough but yeah. the turkey rice and the salmon rice and sometimes i actually add oatmeal to the rice that i make as a kanji to give it some more like body um all in hugo eats extraordinarily well he's basically on the keto diet with the exception of rice <laughs> <laughs> i mean like that's what they like man they like to have these simple straightforward flavors i think and if you can heighten them or you know sort of embellish them with a little umami or fat like they like it all the more i think like that makes a lot of sense to me and that's that's what i've found with my kid like it's you try to get complicated you try to combine too many things at once you try to like muddy things layer them and they they freak out yeah and all the things like for kid baby food it's like immersion blender like buy a cheap 20 dollar immersion blender or buy the magic bullet don't buy any of this other crap that's out there for like baby food like literally magic bullet you're done yeah i mean i have a bunch of recipes that i want to talk about we can talk about that later uh about stuff to make and if you want any suggestions or things like i've been getting a ton of them on my social media send them in to ask dave at major Doma media about things you want to make during the time of covid19 we still got to talk about microwaves pots and pans and uh, food that you could stretch out over a couple days. I think more than ever, like a lot of things that I've developed or worked on or just how I was raised was literally like a whole chicken should actually feed you two days for a family of four, in my opinion. So there's some things that I think would be very beneficial. And we'll talk about that probably next week. And I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll, I'll give you a run through of how to make kimchi the way I'm doing it right now. So. Yeah. Anything else? No, you got to get some sleep. I'm my, I'm hearing my kids screaming in the other room at 10 p.m. here, so I got to go investigate what that is. Ironically, while we're doing this dad's podcast, I'm being a terrible dad. 
All right, man. Like, I'm literally like, I really am turning your parent. Like, I'm talking to you. Like, I'm like, my eyes are like faded. <laughs> All right, get some sleep, dude. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, bye. Well, that was a, a crazy podcast. I uh, never thought we'd ever talk about uh, being dads and making food in COVID-19. But uh, you're going to hear a lot more of Chris Yang because I have a hard time doing these podcasts by myself. The intros and the outros are pretty easy. I haven't gotten to the Bill Simmons, Stephen A. Smith level of just talking forever by oneself. That is going to take a thousand hours at least to get somewhat proficient. And um, man, it's not easy. But uh, thank you again, guys. Stay tuned. Uh, I, I have no idea for another podcast is going to be released this week. Uh, next week, we have uh, our good friend Alan Yang on. We did a uh, pre-opening diaries podcast with Alan about three months ago in Los Angeles when he was about 90% done with the film Tiger Tail that's going to be released, uh, I think, April 9th on Netflix. Incredibly proud of him. I'm going to see the movie today. It's a very personal film and I think very relevant to a lot of the discussions about being Asian in America today. Anyway, I've spoken enough. Be safe, everybody. Wash your hands. Stay home. Give us five stars, however you rate this podcast. And if you want to send in questions, send them in to askdave at majordomamedia.com or any of our social media channels. Thank you very much. <laughs>